Hey, Peter. Hey, hey. Hey, Brett. How's it going? Well, you know, it's crazy. It's another crazy day in America, apparently, but uh, yeah, they're nice and peaceful here up in uh, Oakview. But yeah, yeah. Well, you live uh, Elto, right? Where you have all those fabulous views across the west end of the valley. Yeah, found uh, got up on a uh, little hill ridge here. It's a beautiful view, and of course, yeah. beautiful sunny California day. I wish it was raining. Yeah, we could sure use more of that. Yeah. So yeah, you've got an interesting new project. I wanted to check in with you and uh, get the scoop. So um, tell us. Well, uh, a while ago, during all this pandemic stuff, this was late summer, the center stage in uh, Santa Barbara uh, sent me an email and I sent they sent it out to a uh, I don't know, a number of people asking if we had any personal stories that they could uh, uh, video and then stream as a fundraiser for the theater. And they picked one of mine. So we did that in September. And then they came back uh, and I had told them about this thing that I had written called the testicle monologues. The it's testicle monologues. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, let's, you know, the, the first one raised a pretty fair amount of money for them. And uh, so they said, let's, uh, let's give another shot with uh, this thing that you've written and uh, uh, see how that goes. And so that's been up since, I guess, the 23rd. So it'll go through the end of this month. Um, and so far, so and, uh, I'm told. Yeah, this, uh, where, where exactly do you go? Um, I'm sure I've got it right here, but. Carlos. Carlos. Um, so where, uh, what's the address, what's the web address for, for this uh, Center Theater production? Center Stage uh, Theater.com. And, uh, StageTheater.com. I'll put it up in the notes so people can find it. But I just or it might be. I don't know exactly. It might be CenterStageSB.com for Santa Barbara. I, I didn't memorize it. Shame on me. Um, I'll have my people get on that. Yeah, that's you know the, the website. Always letting us down for uh, Center Stage in Santa Barbara. Yeah, Julie's going to look it up. I'll have it for yeah, you. Yeah, center, centerstagetheater.org, and that's theater spelled the proper way, E-R, yes. not, not R-E, as those fancy English people do, .org, centerstagetheater.org. Okay, you got okay, it. Okay, so, yeah. so tell us, what's the, what is it? Like what, what, well, how, the, did this, how did it come about? Um, yeah, well, first, uh, what, how long is it? What's the uh, structure? Is it like a five-act well, or... Yeah, it's based, uh, I mean, the inspiration for it was Eve Edensler's The Vagina Monologues. Yeah, so of course. It is, it is a Which series. I think many, many dutiful husbands and boyfriends have endured. That's right. Um, uh, so having read that, and, you know, it, it's, it's really quite, quite a piece of work. It's just, oh, it's so you know, powerful, it's, really. It's playing every night of the year somewhere. And has done a lot of great stuff, but my, my thought was, well, that this this is great. It talks about fifty one percent of the population that have vaginas. So why don't I write the 
for the 49% of the population that have testicles. Uh, this isn't a rebuttal on any, by any means. Yeah, inspired by. Yeah, inspired by. So I sat down over a year ago and started writing monologues uh, of the premise, of course, is we've got these reproductive organs. Women have vaginas, we've got testicles and a penis. And uh, what, uh, how, how are these organs affected us? That's where she took off on her journey with the, uh, the vagina monologues. And I did the same journey. How, does, how do these organs affect men? How, do, what, how, what have they done to us? And uh, I don't know, 14 months later, I wound up with 13 or 14 monologues. And that's what we uh, shot up at the Center Theater uh, in December, late November sometime. And uh, that's what's out there now. So it's a, it's a series, uh, one after another, of a, a different character, different male character, talking about how the, this organ has caused him to feel, act, uh, and uh, dealt with his life. What, it, what has it done to and for him? Well, I love, the, I love the premise. I mean, it seems like I can't believe it's been 20 years or more since Eve Ensler's play and nobody's thought of this. Yeah, maybe. Really, yeah. Uh, it's a slam dunk uh, if, if you can come up with enough characters. I mean, she's got in her book, I don't know, it's probably 30 or 40 she interviewed people and she took yeah. stories and then wrote them. I wrote every one of these um, and I will be doing further work on it in terms of expanding it by, you know, maybe doing interviews and just thinking more on it and then writing more on it. But um, like I say, there's 13 or 14 now. I probably had 17 at one time and I said, no, nah, these three aren't any good. What, so what's the run? What's the runtime? Uh, it runs about uh, an hour fifteen, I think, or an hour ten. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to eventually run about an hour forty-five, maybe two. Oh, so you're still you're still working on it. So we'll just well, yeah. things occur to you. You're putting them in there and exactly re rewriting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They. That's what I say. I don't write. I edit. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that's it, man. Got uh, the Stephen Foster thing, uh, and you told me Rihanna Giddens might be high. That's just spectacular. Oh no, that's no. I should back up a little bit. Say I have not had any correspondence with her or any contact. Just I put it out there to her people a couple times and haven't heard back. Fingers crossed, though, because she would be the dream because she's just so wonderful and has such a great voice. Yeah, and plus I think she'll she'll get it. She'll get it. Oh yeah. For all those listeners yeah. out there, Brett has written a, a terrific oh, piece come on, about uh, Stephen, Stephen Foster. And uh, I was fortunate to be in a reading of it for uh, some speculators, I guess. And uh, and it's really good. So keep well, to it. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. Maybe I'll be interviewing you for when you get this thing done. Well, that's a long ways off, and uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. I, I, I will talk about it at some point, but yeah. I wanted to get get deeper into the weeds on uh, the 
testicle monologues because mm-hmm. you know i i sport a pair they uh, <laughs> uh figure on on whole they're they're a force of good at least have been in my life uh-huh. but uh you know they can go either way which i guess sets up all kinds of dramatic possibilities yes uh, several of the characters speak directly about that about what you know i I love my guys, this one guy says, but I've been places and done things and said things that I probably wouldn't have done if I, these guys weren't attached to me. And uh, yeah. and uh, like, probably most of us have had the same feeling where, you know, it's a, such a strong drive, as we all know. I, mean, I can't speak for females, but I know for males, it's such a strong drive that uh, it's it so, overrules our common sense so so often. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's mystifying. And, and, you know, there's one character who's a priest who asks God, you know, how can you make something so beautiful and, and potentially destructive? You know, it, it, uh, it's, it's mystifying. Yeah. Well, I was reading one of these uh, one of these uh, incidents that I don't know why it uh, reminded me of several situations where the bullies are knocking the kid down and going to piss on him and his brother comes up and protects him, but then says, why do you have to be so queer? <laughs> it was like, that's family, you know, that's like, Hey, yeah. wait a minute. He's, he's my, my queer little brother. I, I'm the only one who gets a bully on him. What get out of here. Yeah. That, yeah. that sense that really, uh, cause I had a couple older brothers and I know uh, they were off to Vietnam by the time I came of age, but that whole experience of, you know, being in a big family and, and uh, it's just, that was good. I really felt what were what kind of uh now it's been up and running for uh, two weeks or over a week now right a couple weeks streaming for over a week yeah and what kind of what kind of response is it getting what's the what kind of notes are you getting from your from your audience uh, i've gotten a couple of uh uh i've had emailed to me from the center stage a couple of uh, very complimentary comments from people who thought that, you know, that it, it was going to be sort of a rebuttal and maybe mocking the vagina monologues. And they, they thought that it was much more than that, that it, that it had uh, depth to it and vulnerability. And, and that's when I set off to write it, I was like, I'm, this isn't a satire. I'm not going to make this yeah. to make fun of, of the vagina monologues. I want this to, Although there are a number of humorous pieces in it, but there's also sad pieces and poignant pieces. And, and uh, I tried to cover as much of the spectrum as I could. So the feedback so far has been great. Um, actually, the Montecito Journal uh, called and interviewed me a couple of days ago. Uh, uh, I think that comes out tomorrow. Um, and that, that's a fit, you know, they favorably took a look at it and wanted to know more about it as well. So, um, Good. so it's no, no triggering going on yet in this, in this woke world. I worry sometimes about, you know, the dialogue or the monologue in this case, getting shut down before we even have a chance to uh, have those discussions. I mean, believe me, that's not nearly as much a worry to me as 
like what's going on right now at the Senate building with oh these uh, yeah. stop the steal guys banging down doors and stuff. So people don't know this is uh, Wednesday, the 6th of January and all hell's breaking loose in yeah. the Capitol. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, I can see what uh, these two forces, you know, it's a dialectic. It's this uh, struggle going on on both sides. And, uh, you know, how it's like a, the oscillations of history going on. But it seems because of all we have with social media and the echo chambers and the confirmation bias all the way down, it just gets louder and scarier. It sure does. Um, yeah. So it's nice to just, you know, to bring it back to your piece. This is sort of uh, sitting down at a coffee table and having a discussion with, uh, you know, a, a woman who you've known all your life and having these, uh, you know, like, oh, what's it like to have a vagina? Oh, what's it like to have testicles? And that's sort of back and forth. So maybe if you get together with Eve Ensler, you could do the vagina slash testicle dialogues. Oh, I've Wouldn't already, that be fun? I, yeah, I've already. Uh... Here, write, write that down. <laughs> I have actually applied for a fellowship to work on this. And part of my fellowship was uh, uh, the application was exactly that. I said, this would make a terrific night of theater where you got both sides of the coin. Yeah, I think that I would watch the hell out of that. I think that would be great fun. Yeah. But I do, and, uh, as, to your previous point, I do uh, I, I would expect that if this ever, uh, well, whenever it gets performed, if it goes to something uh, on a larger scale. Well, it, it, it is getting performed. I mean, this is a live re or a taped reading and, yeah. you know, people are encouraged to go to Center Stage Theater, theater spelled properly, E-R, not R-E, dot org, yes. and, che and check that out. Uh, because uh, yeah. I think the arts are in crisis mode and these institutions might not be there when we need them. Because exactly. this this situation, this pandemic is really hitting at the heart of our vital culture. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm gl so glad to see new content making its way into the world because I feel like we're going to need it more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yes, the uh, theaters everywhere are are struggling and adjusting with zooms and so on and so forth. I mean, I. I I sent this thing that we did, I sent it to the art center here in Ohio saying, hey, this is a great idea. You might want to check it out. But um, I, I guess they, they're going a different way with that. But um, I do. Uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on them. I think it's just really hard for them to even keep the yeah. prospect of being around, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I would have that conversation in different, different ways and different approaches. And, yeah, I do think uh, when you on your previous points, I, I it, when and if this gets uh, performed elsewhere or again, I do. I think there will be you know, uh, pushback. There will be uh, I'll get women who will say, well, who the hell do you think you are? This is, you know, um, over over sensitive about a certain topic on one or two of the to toxic masculinity. Yeah. But there's, there's none of that in there as far as there's none of that. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's, uh, there was no, uh, screeching or, uh, you know, with the vagina monologues, it was just very open and 
vulnerable and almost hard to to listen to and yet very very compelling you know for for men and women it wasn't just you know what they want to hear it's pushing people a little and challenging them about some of the preconceptions we may have about a whole variety of things and wasn't it great as a man to have into you know an honest authentic female perspective i mean i wish i would have had that when i was like 12 12 or 14 years old you know before the hormone monster started rampaging (laughs) well and even then who knows if the monster would have won but uh you know it's uh it's so strange to be so hormone driven and and you know uh julie showed me something on candid camera uh candid camera video the other day of uh from the old candid camera of two 12-year-old boys sitting at a table, and, and what Alan Funk had happened was a beautiful woman walks in and says, hi, I'm your substitute teacher, and it's great to see you. What's your name? What's your name? And she's just gorgeous. And someone come in and said, oh, we need you for a second, Mrs. So-and-so. She said, okay, boys, I'll be right back. Um, excuse me. She leaves, and the camera stays on them. And they flip out. They just go, wow. You know, they're 12 years old. They were just floored by this. And they, they did it two or three times with two or three sets of guys. And it is hilarious. They're, it's such an honest and, you know, but from 12-year-old kids, like, what was that? Uh, anyhow. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'll have to check. I'll check that out. I'll I'll put that up in the notes too. So, um, what? Uh, I'm I'm getting some echo. Do you have another device on? No. Another computer or laptop or something? Or? Uh, Julie's got yeah. her laptop on. But how's that? He's Can you hear me doing still? A, a podcast? He's being interviewed. I think on the. Um... Oh, there's Sally. Sally, oh, that's my right. sister. Hi, Sally. How'd you get on this? Hello. Well, I tried three times and I didn't Sally? know uh, that you could hear me. It's a good thing that I was appropriate at all times. Well, that's my sister, Brett. Okay. I don't know. I, oh, hey, Sally. Hi. Uh, should we have? Well, you're, yeah, it's getting, we're getting a feedback loop. Are you very clear? Sally, are you talking to Sally or? Yeah, Sally. Are you in the same room no, with uh, Peter? No. No, no, no. I'm uh, about 150 miles south of him. Um, we had this DC mess on, but it's off. It might be Julie's laptop if she's too close. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter, are you talking into your computer? Let me make a yeah. note of it. I'll put a mark there. Um. Yeah, Sally. I'm a little disconcerted. I, I don't know how many, like, well, who's my audience now? Well, Sally, maybe uh, can you disconnect, unfortunately? No, no, that's fine. I mean, if it's, um, it's interesting. Maybe we can incorporate that into this because well, are, you, call, have, are um, you calling bullshit on any of Peter's uh, <laughs> monologues? Are you like, well, wait a minute, whoa. Unfortunately, did, he ask, did he ask you to read it? Uh, to read the oh yeah we i read it to my husband uh as soon as we got it i think about five months ago 
And we were falling over sideways on the couch laughing. And, you know, like others have said, that there were tender moments and sweet moments and hysterical moments and poignant moments. I think it's one of the best things he's written, and he's written quite a few good ones. Um, And then to see it performed was, uh, was a delight as well. Yeah, well, uh, back to Peter with the the live or with the streaming and the recording. Was there like, do you see like the set design and how it's going to come together and how you might be able to really work some magic on it, sprinkle a little fairy dust and so forth? What uh, what what kind of plant? How do you see this? I, I actually I see it very simple, right? You know, uh, no very little fairy dust, just maybe five or six great actors, some stools, and another stool forward for each monologuist to come forth and do the monologue without a script, of course, but to do it. Um, And just, I see that it being very simple in that regard. And I think that's how the the giant monologues also have have been done. Not that I'm trying to copy them, but, but if some director had a, another notion, the scal Maggie Mixell, who did it up at the center stage and did a great job, um, uh, it kept it simple. And I think that's that's the best. But I'm open to any ideas, of course. I mean, how I, many parts? I, yeah. How many parts are there? I mean, I would have liked to see a different actor for each character, if you will. Well, that's death to the play then, because. Because there's like 15. If you've got 13, 13 equity actors, nobody's going to do it. Right. Uh, yeah. So four, a bit pricey. Four or five doing multiple characters um, can do it, as happened in, in what we're streaming right now. There were five of us, and we did multiple characters, and you just have to hit to the audience each time. It's a different character. I mean, ideally, if you could, yeah, you could afford, and that could be paint in a hat or something. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah, if you could afford thirteen different actors, great, let's do that. But yeah, that's a you're asking for a nightmare uh, unless you got a lot of money. Yeah, sure, and this yeah, is the, the uh, so that's this is a fundraiser, does. not a uh, fund uh, spend. Right. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit more about yourself, Peter, and uh, Sally can jump in. If you, you can call bullshit on him anytime. Yeah, <laughs> he's my brother. Uh, unless of it makes him, makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up in Chicago, uh, Chicago area? like uh, Yes, I grew up in, in Chicago. Uh, I grew up uh, with Bill Murray, actually, in both in grade school and high school in Wilmette, Illinois. And... Uh, left there in 1968 to go to college and spent Wait, you years. said uh, Bill Murray so you act did you know Bill Murray when you were coming up or you yeah, just happened was, to be in the same area no we went we went to school together grade school and high school we were in the same class well you we, you got to tell me some stories yeah was he a joker even then so this Brett this is going to be all about Bill is that right <laughs> no. Well, you got to give us got to give us one Bill Murray story. Something uh, that he would not want you to tell. Tell uh, tell me a story that he would not want you to tell. Well, it's not wise. 
We actually go for caddies at the Indian Hill uh, Golf Club in Winnetka. Uh, and that's where, that is where, of course, Caddyshack came from. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Developed that character from, from uh, his caddying experiences or? Well, I don't think he was doing that character uh, back then. You know, he made that character, God bless him. Um, but that's where uh, he and I both worked. He worked there more than I did. I came from a very large family, one of which has somehow invaded my personal moment. I was invited <laughs> yeah. uh, by a text from your wife. Yes. Well, there's five boys, three girls. We grew up there and in Michigan and uh, then went off to college and had never been to California, didn't know what I was going to do after college, had no... Well, let me get back to that, because I grew up in a big family, too. Where were you in the birth order? Two. You were the, the second oldest. Yeah. And you had an older sister or older brother? Older brother, Steve, who uh, went on to do 20 years as a correspondent on Good Morning America. And uh, Oh, nice. There's a bunch of us all over the place. Sally used to do broadcasting down in Orange County. Yes. Oh, nice. California. I will say that the area that uh, Pete and I and our siblings grew up in, this small town, little village, uh, just on the north shore of Chicago, happened to have spawned a number of very creative people. uh, And Peter is one of the most <laughs> foremost foremost yeah. but you know he's first dropped. peter then bill yeah right. bill but we got you know the town there next door evans all john hughes movies were right all in that oh, area sure. the risky business great, great Patty Jacks, and uh what was it what's that other christmas one uh, um, the planes trains and automobiles oh, oh home, yeah oh home alone home alone, home alone. Yeah, we had, uh, I guess, Ann Margaret's from that area, Charlton Heston, uh, the list, John Stossel, the, you know, Gilda Radner. It's like, what? On the planet right there? All these very creative yeah. people. There's more, but I can't. Those are the ones. Yeah. I can't. Well, I town I grew up in, there's nobody. Not. <laughs> Eli S. Parker's the only. Fa- well, actually, Lucille Ball did come from there. So I guess she counts. From where? Yeah. Where'd you? Where'd you? Uh, West, Western New York, Chautauqua County. Yeah. 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 Little town, like six hundred people. Oh, it's very, very frozen. It's it's probably it's colder, colder than Chicago, but it's like two hundred and twenty inches of snow. Oh my god! So that's why I'm. That's why I'm here. Is that why you're here too, Peter? Yeah. Well, Is that why you're both here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are winters. It's certainly. Well, that's not why I came, but that's certainly what I came to appreciate. Since both where where Will met and where I went to college were heavy winter winter towns. So. Yeah. So in college, did you know uh, show business was your thing? Not at all. No, I did. I did now, some... Peter's being uh, very modest. He did not mention that he did get a four-year scholarship to Harvard, and he's now na- oh, participated in National Lampoon uh, presentations out of Harvard with uh, Jack London. Yeah. And, yeah. So uh, a little bit of modesty that. there. It wasn't uh, National Lampoon. Were you in the Hasty Pudding? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's what it was. I Beg your two, pardon. 
We did two hasty pudding shows and a couple of other things, but just because they were a hoot, you know, I wasn't, I never wanted, I never said, I'm going to go to Hollywood and be an actor. I never, ever. Was Doug Kenny, Doug Kenny before or after you? I didn't know him, but same time period, he was doing the the Harvard Lampoon, not the National Yeah, well, that was where the seeds came from. Yeah, and then coincidentally, I wind up back here. Uh, I mean, I wind up here in 72, and by 78, I was playing Otter in the National Lampoon's uh, Delta House TV series. <laughs> so That's so fantastic. Yeah, part of the Harvard Mafia, yeah. like Conan O'Brien and all those people that a lot of them wrote for The Simpsons in the early days, right? Wasn't there a crew of, oh, yeah, they're, they're still of Harvard grads? They still do. Yeah. Yeah. How, how great. Yeah. So um, then you, I mean, uh, wow, that's, that's a, great. So you came out to California when you were still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, or were you a grizzled old veteran? <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. I graduated in June. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned I went to Harvard. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the joke is you. like, how do you, uh, how do you know if somebody goes to Harvard? Uh, you don't, you don't have to, they'll, they'll tell you. Exactly. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, uh, but I, so I graduated in June and uh, I went back to Southfield, Michigan, where my family was living at that point and wanted to go, just go to California. I didn't have a plan. So I worked uh Actually, I worked at the Ford assembly plant in Wixom, Michigan, all summer, building Lincoln Continentals to make money to come here. Oh. My brother, did you get your UAW card? Yeah, I did. Actually, yeah, two. I got excellent. I got three union cards. Um, union strong, baby. Oh yeah, but not not these days, but let's hope so. Um, yeah. And then uh, you know, my Steve was in Santa Monica. And, Sister Sue was up in Berkeley, and so I moved to Steve's couch, and just life started happening. And literally, this is fall of '72. By the by, 1975, summer of '75, I was starring in a Paramount movie without having come here to be an actor, Brett. Just like, how did that happen? Exactly. Somebody you got spotted at the uh, soda yeah. fountain at uh, well, yeah, at, uh, what was the name? Schwab's. Schwab's, yeah. Not unlike that, I was a bartender. Uh, I'd done a bunch of jobs, parking car. You know, I did the the thing, a bartender. The, the Hollywood hustle. But I wasn't hustling Hollywood. But I, I went oh. to uh, I became bartender at Mister Chow's in Beverly Hills, and I made sure. I made a drink. For this guy, and he on the way out he said, "Great, it was a gin Ramos fizz, which I had no idea how to make, but I mean, you know, looked in the book and made it." And uh, on the way out he said, "Great drink, kid." Blah blah blah. And the other waiter said, "Oh, you know who that was? That guy owns the biggest commercial agency in L.A." And I said, "Oh, well, okay." Um, Backing up a little bit with eight kids, my mom, you know, the Murray's family had nine kids. We had eight. The had eight. 
everybody had, there was never enough money. So mom got all of us modeling in Chicago because Sears and Montgomery Ward and uh, Alden's and all these catalogs. McDonald's had headquarters there. Yeah. She had to pay for all the parochial. A lot of, a lot of work. Yeah. Parochial yeah. school, boys, scouts, piano lessons. Yeah, yeah. So, so we got, uh, you know, by the upshot is by age 10, I had a SAG card through, through doing uh, TV commercials in Chicago. Trust me, I still did not come to California to be an actor. Um, and, uh, but I, after I, this, after I was told this guy owned the biggest commercial agency in LA, I said, okay, well, I've got a SAG card and I don't want to be a bartender the rest of my life. Maybe I can make some money doing commercials and continue the search for, you know, what life's going to be for me. So, I, so you didn't really know at that point, like where you would end up a microbiologist or a, yeah. you know, Antarctic explorer or whatever. No, I, I was, I studied primate anthropology at Harvard and, but I was never going to be oh. an anthropologist. Um, but what happened? Uh, so I wheedled into this guy and said, Hey, I'm the guy that made you that drink. And you want to, you know, you want to send me out? And he said, I don't know. I got a lot of guys like you, you know, but I'll send you out for two weeks. We'll see, we'll see. probation if something happens. And I got the, I got the first thing I went out on, which was a national commercial for certs. Two, two, two minutes in one, <laughs> which was uh, in New York. They flew me back first class in New York. And from that, from that point on, it just happened. One thing led to another. And by, 1975, I got cast in this movie called Fraternity Row. And from there, I, it just, you know, it went from there. I eventually wound up on the Waltons for a couple of years. And then Animal House came out and it was, you know, as you know, huge. And so, of course, they made a TV series out of it, which, um, so I got cast in the Tim Matheson part. Oh yeah, he still he just showed up again somewhere. I saw him on Virgin River. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he looks he looks good. Yeah, he, he never stopped working. He directs like quite a. Yeah, he directs too. Yeah, good for him. So, did you um, think this is it? I'm going to be an actor, or when did the writing bug hit you? Was it always there? Was this? That's a that's a great question. No, create this content. Pardon me. What was your last question? Uh, yeah. When when did that? Yeah. When did the the writing bug hit? When did you decide that this is the way? You know that that Peter Fox wants to go. Okay. Wants to be a writer. Okay. I I was working regularly and I did a couple episodes of Simon and Simon. You remember that show? I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, detective shows in the early 80s like before Cagney and Lacey yeah and, two brothers but for some reason I get those two two leaked in my head somehow yeah yeah two brothers who were detectives. anyhow I, I wound up doing a couple of them and and I pitched the producer I said I got a couple ideas for the show and I said all right tell me what so I gave him like 10 ideas and he said once again here's no work okay go write that <laughs> so I got 
hired to write an episode of Simon and Simon, which they did, and it paid twenty six thousand dollars. And I was like, "Well, oh my god, for one episode of a one hour drama?" That's, yeah, yeah. And, wow, and this is back, back in the I'm gonna 80s. have to start start getting back to it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's so good that's, money. That's when I start saying, okay, I've got all this downtime as an actor in between gigs. Um, I'll, I'll start writing and eventually and I did, and I wasn't good, of course. It was very, you know, a beginner writer. Um, but uh, eventually I wound up working at a theater in Los Angeles called the Alliance Repertory Company. And I, uh, after a few years, I wound up being the artistic director there. And my lovely wife, Julie, told me to, I, I had an idea and she said, you got to write this thing. You need to write it. I wrote it. It was called a, a play called Acts of God. And love it. And it love ran, it. Yeah, well, it ran, I've seen that. It, it ran in LA for as long as it could before actors had to leave to do other gigs. And Samuel French called up and said, we want to publish this. And the reviews, I, I couldn't have written better reviews if they asked me to write 10, re 10 reviews yourself and then we'll submit them. So things just happened that way. The, the writing, uh, uh, you know, I continued to write other stuff, but the, you know, that, that day, you talk about certain highlight moments in your life when I picked up the phone and it was Samuel French and they said, well, Peter, we, we'd like to publish your play. I did the old uh, Bill Cosby line. Who is this really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they, uh, uh, they did. And then, so I continued, you know, I, I haven't stopped. I've got a shelf full of screenplays I've written, a few of which have been options, but not, you know, getting something made is just once again. Yeah, I know. I've heard the ratio is 10 to 1 10, for every 10 scripts that get option, one actually gets the green light. Yeah. So I've got a ton of stuff I've written. I've written two, two other plays, uh, several other one acts, and a bunch of short stories, one of which I sent to you, but I don't think you've read it yet, called The Queen of Ojai. Have you read that? That sounds familiar, but I don't like I'll have to dig through my emails here. Get, I'll look I'll look for that. Actually, I think is I that a thin thin a Romana clef? <laughs> no. Is it like some actual thinly disguised actual people I might know? Uh, it takes place at the art center. Uh, some of the people in there are based on people who worked over there. Um, but it was one of the stories that the center stage wanted to film when, when we did that. So um, I actually, I sent it to you saying it's too bad your magazine doesn't, you know, do fiction because this is a sweet story about Ojai. I'll, I'll have to go dust that off and have another look. So um, one thing that I'm like fascinates me about this time that we're in is, you know, you look back at the pandemic of 1918 and how awful that was. 60 million people died. And it was just like when the population of the world was a third of what it is now. But then came the roar. 
you know, it's just some, I saw some documentary recently about F Scott Fitzgerald and they basically made that point between world war one and the pandemic, which were, you know, linked because that's where the, the flu first, first took purchase. And that flu was, that's, you know, really pernicious because it took out people, you know, 18 to 30 was the sweet spot for people that got killed by that flu. Oh. And then the sense that, oh, we got through the war, we got through the pandemic and all that pent up energy and all that creativity just morphed into the jazz age. This Interesting. confluence of energy and enthusiasm, the roaring 20s. So I think we're we're going to see that again. I think between you know, the partisanship and the, the political warfare and, uh, and this pandemic and how it's just disrupted us like several times through that those circulating. I think there's, there's going to be a moment when people are really going to be hungry for fresh content and there's going to be, people are going to be going out all the time and it's going to be that, uh, that feeling again, that jazz age energy. At least that's what I keep telling myself because what else are you going to do with yourself? Like, is it the end of things? It's like they say, it's always, it's always darkest, but right before it goes completely. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I hope you're right about that. You know, I have my dark days about, you know, what's going on today as we speak that, uh, you know, I have my, my moments of what the hell, I'm I'm almost seventy one. I've, I've made it this far, and it's been, you're se- you're seventy one. Holy shit! Almost, <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, wow, well, good, good on you, mate. I, I would have guessed uh, seventy or sixty nine and a half at the <laughs> oldest. No, I'm just I'm kidding. yeah. Well, interesting. Uh, an interesting side note here. It has nothing to do with this. Is um, during this pandemic, during this lockdown period, quarantine, blah, blah, blah. It's starting in February, I had my right ankle replaced. Then it- What? That sounds gruesome. Then then in May, I had my left ankle replaced. What was was wrong with them? And then in November, I had my left knee replaced. (laughs) Are are you setting me up for a $6 million man joke? (laughs) No, no, I was taking it, you know, the Fox gene apparently did not take care of arthritis. So, you know, when you hit 70 and you played sports and blah, 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 if you don't, anyhow, all, this is an interesting, I had bad arthritis in the, all those joints. I said, oh, what's the story? And he says, well, you've got, and here's the phrase, you've got end stage arthritis. <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds <laughs> like where do you, that sounds grim. Yeah, where do you go from there? It's just bad. you know, it's a bad arthritis. So what did I do? I took advantage of this awful year of sitting around anyhow to get three of them done, and uh, I'm fully factory refurbished now. <laughs> Aftermarket parts. That's right. Yeah. Oh well, how's it? How is it? Um, the ankles are. Uh, uh, it's great. The ankles came out great. Um, the knee is a much harder thing. You know, it's, it's still, it's two months now and I'm still dealing with aches and pains on it, but, uh, and there's a lot of physical therapy, which is torture, uh, on a knee. Um, 
but that's the price you pay. And I just, you know, I had such good experiences with the ankles. I thought, well, I just do the knee, but the knee, uh, it gets angry at me every day, but it'll go away and it'll be, you know, it'll, it'll be great once this thing goes away. Um, well, uh, but, uh, I don't know. That's, that's, so I'll see you out uh, skateboarding at the skate park. Is that? Uh, oh, you'll see me. Is uh, that what you're working up towards? You'll see me at Soul Park soon. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Is it well, Soul? Uh, is, it, is it Soul or Soul? What is it? I I heard it's you know Zadie Soul, so I imagine it's a Soul Park. Okay. Soul. But I've heard both. Yeah, me too. I thought, you know, you being... But I've always heard Zadie Sewell, so I guess, you know, that makes sense. Okay. Park. Yeah. Well, but I hear Soul Park, too. I don't know. I don't, I don't... I'm pretty didactic, but I don't correct people on that. But if people say Sarazoti Park, that really triggers me. If Sarazoti Park people, there's no middle vowel in Sarazoti Park. Give it up now. Okay. Or if people don't... If they leave out the e and libby that's another one of those things oh yeah that triggers me right yeah 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 so well, um what else going on what do you what do you, you got me for um you know this this time what uh what, else? what do you want to tell people and just so you know this is a very small audience but yeah I'm pretty loyal no no i got some of my family in on it so <laughs> Well, there's like one listener we have already, and I haven't even put it up yet. No, one already. Wow. Is this the, <laughs> can people tap into this later, or is this just only live? Oh, no, no. This is uh, this would be a podcast episode. This probably won't put, go up till next Wednesday or Thursday. We do our newsletter on Thursdays, and I always have a fresh episode for... for okay. Uh, will you send me the people, link? So. Will you send me the link for that? Yeah. And I'll, I will. Send, I'll send it to Bill Murray. Uh, well, you didn't tell me the Bill Murray story. You were going to tell me a Bill Murray story, a bad one that he uh, would hate. Oh, because that'll yeah. definitely get his attention. Yeah. No, uh, I, I don't. I don't have a personal one that he would hate. I know that he was. Oh, I went. We went to Jesuit high school together, Loyola, and we met. And he was that. If you're in trouble, you you go to Jug call it it's after school and you have to memorize a page from the dic dictionary memorize it to get out of jug and he was never out of jug he, he lived there but um so he has the dictionary memorized well several pages you you know you would they'd rip a page out of a pocket dictionary and you had to memorize that page and and say it exactly we were in new york a couple of years ago one of my other Wilmet buddies, John Heller, uh, my he's my oldest friend. Um, we we stayed with them uh, at their uh, place on the east side, and uh, Murray lived up on the Hudson. And so we, that evening, this is one of the best evenings of our lives, Julie and I. We, uh, John, it was a trustee at Fordham, and there was a fundraiser, and John Prine pit played it played for the fundraiser at the Beacon Theater, which was... Oh, my God. Oh, and the Beacon Theater is just spectacular. So we went to that. Yeah, did John Prime die of COVID? I'm trying to remember. I think so. I know, yeah. he, I know he passed away this year. It's a, it's a shame because he wasn't that old, right? Isn't he like... No, he's my age. 
Yeah. yeah. But then the concert ends, and then we were just on this high. And we, John hired a, a limo. We all hopped in with Patty, his wife, went up to uh, Hudson's to Murray's house, where he had his annual Christmas party, which you can imagine was very Bill Murray-esque. And, uh, you know, it was just a terrific night of, of the combination of both of those. And Prine was at the party, of course, and a bunch of other, uh, Loudon Wainwright and Tedeschi, the guy, oh, guitar, you know that guy, the t- oh, Tedeschi uh, trucks. Yes, he used to play the guitar player. Yeah, t- uh, Tedeschi and t- oh yes, they're yeah. fantastic musicians. And uh, fantastic. Yeah, that was a fun night. Anyhow, Julie, oh, well, Julie got the dance with Bill, so she's still glowing from that. Bill could have danced all night. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You, I, Oh, did you see on the, on the rocks? Did you see uh, on the rocks with Rashida Jones, our our new Ojai neighbor? Oh, she live here now? No, I didn't see it. Uh, it wasn't on any of my streaming things. Um, I think it's on Amazon, but it's worth hunting down because he's in fine form. He's one of those people. I feel like he's he has one character that just contains multitudes. Just phenomenal. I think you hit it on. Yeah. yeah, you hit it on the head. I mean, he and I were somewhat um, in competition growing up for girls and, and whatever sports, whatever. We got along great, and then we didn't, and we get along again, and then whatever time went on. But and so there was always this competition. But man, I think his uh, something's beeping. Um, I think what that he's created the Bill Murray character, which is global. You know, it's re- remarkable. Yeah. Well, you got a bit of character yourself too, which uh, reading through your monologues, uh, testicle monologues, I can see that that coming through a bit wry, built self-effacing, always finding a little ironic undertone to things, which uh, you know I I enjoy that. So I I urge people to go to Center Stage Theater, ER Theater, the proper spelling, .org, and look for the testicle monologues. Through January 31st. January 31st. And it's a fundraiser for an arts community that uh, is in survival mode, as all of them are. And I think that once we get out the other side of this mess, they're going to be in thrive mode. Yeah. At least that's what I keep telling. So I'm um, looking forward to that, Peter. And uh, thank you. I've enjoyed this very much. And uh, we'll see you around the campus with your brand new ankles and knee. Well, thank you for letting me on. And everybody look forward to Brett's play. Give him the name of it, Brett. Uh, well, it's beautiful, dreamer. That's right. But we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that some other time. I've got to get some uh, get a bit of traction. And uh, right now, the testicle monologues at Center Stage Theater. Yeah. All right, Peter. Thank you. This thank has you, been Fred. fun. And uh, tell Julie I said hi, and uh, we'll see you around the campus. All right. Thanks, buddy.